This is Stu Strauss, the Woodsman, and you're listening to Inspirato Projecto. So here we go. I'm very excited to present to you the second episode of uh, Q&A sessions from Kapow Intergalactic Film Festival, which happened 913 through 919. Now, what you're about to hear here is from the 16th. So... Unfortunately, we will not hear all of the Q&As because I wasn't there during some of them and I was gone. So basically, this is just when Inspirato Projecto was there, when I was there with Inspirato Projecto to record those Q&As. This one here, what you're, the very first one is from the Contemplative Block and we have Dave Uchansky asking questions and answers for that one. So you get to hear some of the stories on this. And... Then we go to Day of the Western Sunrise, which is which was hosted by me, and then a Q and A with Emma Shaw with her with her music video. So, and then some other revelations, you know, on the way home and on the way to Kapow. So, yeah, buckle up, buckle up. Because after this, there are going to be, I think, two more episodes of the Q&As that just took place right there in the theater. Now, there, there are also Q&As that occurred at LA Grip Studios, which is one of our sponsors. They provided a space there for us. And K-Chung, the radio station that you can hear in Sprout or Projecto on, Mon- uh, the first and third Mondays of each month from 1 o'clock until 2 p.m. If you go to kchungradio.org, you can hear, hear it broadcast live, streaming live. I actually, from the 7th, October 7th, I just uploaded one to Mixcloud. So if you go to mixcloud.com slash projecto, you can hear that. I, I usually put the Kchung episodes up on that. And uh, all the other just podcasts go on here so that's kind of how that works um so i'll be uploading after after i after i get out these uh these other q a's oh by the way if you missed the first episode that i did of kapow intergalactic film festival q a's you can you can uh, sift through the past episodes and i'm sure somewhere in the title there you'll see it also um if you want to see the the video stream it's archived we did live video stream of those uh, of some of the q a's that were over there at la grip studios you get to actually see that on the facebook page the kapow facebook page and uh you could check that out i did that from the on the mornings of the 16th through the 19th basically from like 10 30 a.m to about 12 and then we had our first showings at 1 p.m., so that was during the weekday. I know, that's a lot of information to listen to. However, without further ado, here we go. Thanks for listening to Inspirato Projecto. Also, thank you, Stu Strauss from Twin Peaks, the woodsman, for, for that wonderful intro. Something happened. I guess he, he, he passed. Yeah, so uh, Tom passed away whenever he was, um, I believe it was 16, and um, I got really close to the younger brother, Danny, who um, survived and really asked him a lot about how he remembered his brother and the different mannerisms and, and the type of person that he was to develop this character. And was that your, how many, we, we in films before that, how many films have you done before this? So I had done just a couple short films before this. Um, I believe this was my third film. Searching for my next gig. Like this one, my friend. Yeah, as any actor will tell you. Awesome. Thank you all. Hey, did an awesome film. Um, all the way from New York. Mm-hmm. Did you? Where, where, where was it? Where's it filmed? Uh, we filmed in Astoria in Queens. Oh, any anyone know Astoria? 
Okay. <laughs> yes. So, how did you come up with the idea of the film? Inspiration? Uh, actually, uh, I wanted to write uh, a piece for Jennifer Bobby, who was the lead actress uh, who played Veronica, the transgender school teacher. Uh, we did a web series called Spring Street a couple years back, and it was an ensemble cast, and she was only in two episodes out of the nine episodes we filmed. But uh, when she auditioned, like she blew me away, and I loved her, and I felt like she really understood my writing in this like really visceral way, and uh, and I wanted to write a piece for her. And uh, the more I got to know her and become friends with her, the more I realized uh, her story, although this is a work of fiction, backup plan, uh, just as a transgender woman, uh, she lost her whole business when she came out as trans, and she, I just don't want I don't want to go in too much of her real life, but uh, this was definitely inspired by, by her life. Yeah. Uh, how, how long did it take you to film it? Mean, uh, we filmed it in three days. Yeah. And you cast yourself, you did a great part, yourself. Yeah, it's a three-character uh, film, and unfortunately, uh, our child actor, uh, Valeria Cotto, who was amazing in the film. Phenomenal. Yeah, we were so lucky to get her. Uh, she was fresh off of uh, the Oscar-nominated The Florida Project, which I don't know if any of you have seen The Florida Project, but uh, we were we were so lucky to, to get her, and uh, yeah, we just all loved working with each other. And, uh, there, we have a feature film written uh, based on the short uh, that you know I'm currently applying for grants and looking for investors and and all that to uh, to raise money for the feature. So I was going to ask you what's next, and you already answered that. Yeah, that. Yeah, no. We also uh, Jennifer and I were co-writing a, a comedy uh, a web series called Time Out with Aunt Barbara, uh, which is an adult comedy about a children's show. Uh, so that, <laughs> yeah, it, it's pretty funny, and it's based on a character, Aunt Barbara, that she created, uh, that she's been developing for like 15 years. So. And when will that be ready? Uh, well, that's we have it written, and we're actually working with a, a line producer, uh, a TV producer, right now to uh, work on a pitch deck. And we have like a year for Capel 2027. Yeah, yeah. We'll we'll keep you posted. Please, please. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Dave. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. So, Brett, uh, uh, how did that idea come to you? Uh, the idea for the film, I really wanted to make a film that wasn't about me this time. I wanted to make a film that could connect to other people in a way that I really don't know because I have my own father and I have my mother and I've lost people in my family, but I wanted to connect to other people that could connect to it on a more personal level than I could. and. I could, I should let my actor speak a little bit. Sure. Thank you, Brett. I don't know why he wanted me to speak, but um. <laughs> Listen to that voice in your asking. Right. Um, no one asked me a question, but I guess I'll say something. How was it working for Brett? Yeah, I guess I'll say something. It was, uh, <laughs> it was actually great working for him. Um, I, I call him the kid, you know, and his father sitting back there, both of us are named Joe. And we become very, very close. And um, I call him my son, you know, but his father probably punched me. You know? <laughs> but I've been calling him that. And uh, we met, I'm, a, I'm actually a SAG actor. And we met in Syracuse, New York at a, an actor's meeting. Supposedly, it was supposed to be an actor's meeting, about 300 people in the audience. And about an hour and a half into the meeting, I recognized no one was talking about acting. They were talking about everything else. So I stood up and took over the meeting, you know. <laughs> And it made yeah. the news and everything. Yeah. And he, was, he was one of the kids at the back of the room and said, hey, I want to meet you. And one thing led to another. And about six months later, he called me and said, hey, I need your voice for something. And we talked about it and yada, yada, yada. And um, here I am. Wow. All right. But good kid. We, we've been hanging out a lot to let a, a lot together. You guys are going to see a lot from him. Real, real good kid. Uh, this gentleman, go back to Brad for what happened last year? Last year, Kapow. Um, I won best, docu best Documentary slash Mockumentary for my film, Down to Earth. It's a fun comedy, kind of makes fun of like the the conventions of filmmaking a little bit. It's unique. You know? It was your first film festival? My first film festival here at Kapow, so I love this festival. Kapow, 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 Kapow. <laughs> 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 awesome. Thank you so much. Awesome, thank you so much. And what's next? Um, next for me, I got my thesis film. I'm, Trying to get in the festival circuit, Playboy Eddie. The trailer is screened here. 
Um, very excited about that. And then I have a film I shot on 420 with a lot of creative actors that method act. And it's very exciting. It's called The 420 Club. If you look that up on IMDb, it's not created yet. So I'm excited to take that title. <laughs> Hopefully take it to feature film someday too. Does he have a partner? In the sequel, hopefully. You'll have to, yeah. And um, next for me, since I've been here, as I say, I'm a SAG actor. We both flew in last Thursday. We're going to be here until Friday. But since I've been here, I've booked a, a television commercial. And today I booked a, a leading movie role. So, yeah. Wow. Um, Uh, David came to me with the idea. He had an idea for a short to, you know, showcase himself as an actor. He gets booked in a lot of comedy projects and is in one of the most hilarious commercials of all time. You've probably seen it, the Doritos Time Machine spot that won the Super Bowl oh. contest. Um, but yeah, you know, David and I have been, he's acted in a few uh, music videos for me and came to me and said, I want to do this thing, showcase myself as an actor, be a man calling a suicide hotline. And, you know, I know you like, he, one of the videos he was in was a single take music video I had done. I've done a few single take shorts. He said, I know, I know you have this idea of doing a single take feature, something we could collaborate on. And it went from short to feature to split screen, all sort of over the span of one coffee as we just bounce ideas back and forth. And I said, we can do this. I know we can shoot this in my hometown. That was just it. We were just sort of off to the races with it and, and pushing the story forward and, and trying to figure out how the hell to make it with uh, no money to make it. <laughs> How did you guys figure on the split screen continuously? Uh, just the idea that if you're going to have somebody on a phone call, you know, I've seen Rear Window, seen Phone Booth, love those movies, but it's always strange when you don't know what's going on on the other side. Right. And we just thought if you're going to be emotionally, once we switch it from being a 911 operator to a, to a random stranger in story development, we thought, well, we want to see both of them at the same time, uh, which we didn't realize, we'd, you know, if you're going to make a single take movie, I highly recommend not making two single take movies at the same time. Uh, you are literally doubling your, your uh, stress level. Uh, but yeah, we just wanted to see both sides of what was happening simultaneously so that you could, you could understand both the emotions and the roller coaster that both characters were going through. Wow. And the camera angle went from up and down to Mm, it was yeah, seamlessly. That's just an idea that we had that uh, maybe there's a way we can visually change it up a little bit since you're watching a single take. Uh, and then it just became okay, how about if it's horizontal when they're sort of disconnected and vertical when they're connected? And then it also sort of rotates like a, uh, a spinning clock, the hands of a clock. So we thought that would be a nice little touch. And he had the herb tones and she had the ice tones. It was just like. Yeah, I, I mean, our cinematographer, Seth, he, you know, talk about a job of having to light, he's got to light every single location, hide every single cord, can't see a piece of gaff tape anywhere in there, and then make sure that nothing flickers or falls down for the, the duration of every take. Wow. Can we get the actors together, maybe? Yeah. Because they were so far separate. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> this is so good. I, I've I seen permission to stand close to you. <laughs> I've seen love stories. I haven't seen connection that tight on actors. You guys were so connected, but you weren't together. If that makes sense. Did you guys? Um, when you filmed, were you the only ones? How did you do that? When you were the only one in the room? Um, you were you're being filmed. Was it somebody else feeding you lines? No. Uh, the whole movie was shot simultaneously, so we're actually on the phone with each other the whole time. For reals. Yeah, you gotta trust technology, you know? Yeah, yeah. But we did, when we first started um, uh, rehearsing the movie, we would rehearse, rehearse the first half of the day at his location, and I would just be sitting in a closet on the phone. And then we would go to my location, and he would be sitting in a closet on the phone. Um, so we just hide from each other, and then <laughs> that after three days of just blocking it out and figuring it out, then we would. Uh, split up the camera crews, and then we would really talk on the phone and experience all those drop calls oh, <laughs> and those panic moments. Oh, wow. So it's two different sets, totally. Yeah. Two different locations. Wow. Yeah, two different locations. Two camera crews on yeah. either sides of the city. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, and we also had to, yeah, I know, it's a little mind-blowing. We had to call the um, local, um, I don't know, no, Bell, which is the equivalent to AT&T and Rogers here, and ask them to set up a hard line in the apartment, and they were very confused. They were like, would you like an internet package? We were like, no, just just the plug in the wall. So, yeah, they were very confused about that. It was so old school, the landlines, too. Yes. Oh, yes, that's a metaphor. Oh, God. It seemed like a great idea at the time. You know, have this old phone, you know, kind of be a metaphor of how we stuck in the past. But what we didn't realize is that when you're calling the college location, you have to dial an extension to get to that phone. And you can't dial an extension with a rotary phone. Uh, so our sound guy had to have a touchtone phone in the closet. There's a lot of people in closets. <laughs> Pro closets over here. Uh, and so when I would pick up the phone, he would dial the number and then dial the extension. And so I'm just sort of spinning the dial for no reason. And uh, what, you, what you may have not noticed, uh, he dialed the wrong number uh, twice. And so it was, you know, trying to make that decision, like, do we say cut and start over? Or, I mean, like, I have already walked all the way over here. <laughs> and it's, like, it's like a city block and a half in the elevator. I'm just, well, we'll just go. Really space for 10 days, 11 days, uh, and then we had we had four days to shoot, and uh, initially Gavin wanted us to shoot twice a night, uh, so we would ultimately have eight versions of the film to, to look at, um, but then he had to operate camera on my side, so it was really easy to convince him to only do it once after that <laughs> first thing, um, because the cameras are handheld, and uh, they're heavy. And so, uh, and which was fine for me because at the end of each take, I was just emotionally exhausted. And the last thing I wanted to do was it again. Were you able to improv, either one of the actors able to improv at all, or was it all kind of? Yeah, I mean, you know, each, you know, we have five finished versions of this film somewhere. Um, and this was our second to last uh, take that we did. And each one slightly different. Uh, the pacing, uh, walking on the street, was different. Or you know, so there was it was interesting. There was one line that we only like uh, an exchange of lines that only came out in one of the takes, uh, which I, oh yeah, no, I'll be right there. Um, and so it's it, you know, for me it was like okay, well maybe this line wasn't you know this exchange wasn't all that necessary because it wasn't in you know eighty percent of the versions that we did. Um, but I think for both of us, we, we, and we, when we first started rehearsing, um, we rehearsed over the phone because Sarah was on set in Canada and I was uh, changing diapers in Los Angeles. And so it, we got used to just responding to each other. And, and when you're acting opposite somebody that you don't see, you have no choice but to listen. You know? And I remember in the one acting class I took, uh, they were like, oh, you gotta listen, and I was like, what? And so, uh, I think it might be true. And so, you know, we, so I, I trusted that if, if I missed something that she would know how to bring us back, and I hoped that she trusted that I would do the same. And so, uh, I mean, and Gavin was just like, well, here we go. Yeah. You know, <laughs> he had to trust us both. And what's next for the three of you? I'm just going to quickly add, too, because he deserves a lot more credit than most people will ever see on the screen. Adrian Ellis, our composer, also did the music live in a single take. Wow. The music was done live in a single take. Um, he wanted to take on the same challenge that, that we did with the film, but yeah, so he deserves all your, all your praise. He's, he's an 
Canada? He's, he's in Canada. We're getting ready for our big Canadian premiere in a few days. But the so he's, music was almost a, the third actor. Yeah, 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 he, he plays a huge part in that. But in, term, in terms of what next, uh, I'm, we have a bunch of screenings and festivals coming up. I start a new feature film October 15th, and uh, hopefully I'll be back here next year. And uh, what are you up to next? Uh, next for me is I'm going back to Canada to tour with the film as well, and uh, we're self-distributing it. So, you know, uh, we're just kind of doing a grassroots approach to showing this film everywhere that we can. And um, I just got cast in a great comedy called Moody Christmas, so I'll Whoa. be acting with Dennis Leary. I'm very excited. I'm going to be taking my three-year-old to preschool. And, uh, and then taking a nap and then trying to write more scripts that somebody wants to buy and make, I think, hopefully. And... Uh, Acting, you know, if, if people will let me. Um, I bought a camera so I can just shoot myself now. Don't, don't say that word. Don't shoot yourself. Don't yourself. Oh, I see what I did. <laughs> oh, God. Kapow. Kapow. Thank you so much. Guys, phenomenal. Phenomenal. Woo! Phenomenal, right? Thank you, the audience. We've got a few minutes with some pictures. We do have a little coming in, but love to have you some pictures and the Capel. And I hope to see you guys see you later at the awards ceremony uh, with, um, we're, this week. We're, we're heading to the federal if anybody wants to join us. Yes. Would you want to put this one? Listen, I don't have much time, but do you feel like you're going out of your gourd? Are you, do you have the cabin fever? Have you run out of Netflix to watch? If, has the thought occurred, hey, you know what? I can make funny stuff. I've been watching TikTok. I've been watching all the social networks and seeing what kind of creativity is coming out. I could create that. Hey, you know what? I wish they made a podcast about this. Well, you know what? You can make your own podcast. Go to anchor.fm. Go to it, please, right now. Make your own podcast. It's the lazy person's way to make stuff. You can make little segments. Uh, you can put music on there, found sounds, babies laughing, neighbors throwing frisbees, uh, uh, your friends playing guitar. Ah, it's so good. Anchor.fm, please get this and find me, Inspirato Projecto. Let's be friends, okay? Anchor.fm. Facebook page eventually so you guys can listen to it and you can pass it around and who, how many of you guys up there created the movie we just made oh yeah well come on down here come on down here I'm gonna give you guys a microphone come on down Mirko soft come on down here I have questions for you too and you got answers that people want to hear okay so you know what's so interesting about that movie? Well, first of all, I'll have you guys, I'll have you guys introduce yourselves. What's your name, sir? Uh, my name is Keith. Uh, creator, director, producer, etc. Uh, Justin, I did all the 3D modeling and animation. Uh, and I'm Josh, I did all the illustration. I'm Betsy. I was in Microsoft and I'm standing in for uh, David Maddox, who is our writer and director. What's going to be here today? So uh, I want to ask you, since you have the microphone in your hand, with Microsoft, uh, you know, I just I, that whole scene where you're typing away and all the things are going up on the screen, and uh, and it accidentally leads to this page. You know, you don't, you you accidentally typed you know the wrong thing, and so now you're here. At our, you know, at our garage where we have all this, uh, all this strange, yeah, yeah, yeah. What? How, how did you get that inspiration? I've got a statement from oh, the good. Uh, writer director. Oh, very good. Which says, uh, "Mirko Soft started as an honest mistyping. Jason Lewis, who played Sergey, and I, David Maddox, uh, were genuinely looking for computer help on the Microsoft site, and he accidentally mistyped Mirko Soft." And what followed was about 20 minutes of them laughing and making jokes in bad Eastern European accents. 
Uh, but the initial joke stuck with him and led him to write a sketch for a YouTube channel uh, that some friends and he created. And even though the channel crashed and burned before it even got started, he did succeed in shooting the sketch, which led to the little short you've just seen. Um, and he has dreams about potentially carrying on in the future with the uh, adventures of Sergei. As well he should. There's, yeah. there's so many adventures to tell within that. <laughs> that small garage. Yeah, and their homemade sign, too, in the background. Very professional. You, you were very committed to your character. Have you had instances like that in the past? Uh, not recently, I'm glad to say. I had to really work hard to envision the uh, green screen trauma of 18 windows. How, how did they find you? Um, we actually, uh, most of us did a murder mystery show on a cruise ship in Long Beach. Oh, cool. Uh, so lots of improv in the group, and then we kind of moved into trying to make videos a few years ago. I'm a huge fan of improv, so it's always great to see that. It's always, you know, the yes and. You just exactly. gotta keep yes anding it. Yeah, and then sometimes you write it down and turn it into a film. What's fun too is when you know what the characters are, you, you could just you just wind it up and there they go. Right, yeah. And when you've got like-minded people who will hang with you, it's even more fun. Absolutely. Do you have projects uh, for the future? But in, in addition to the MiracoSoft uh, series. I know that David has a lot of scripts in the works, and uh, I just try to stay around so I can partake when they come up. That's great. Can you hand the microphone over to this fellow, please? So you, so you, uh, okay, you animated it, but you, or wait, can you explain to me again what, oh, what so your I, involvement was with, uh, with the one we just saw? Yeah, so I uh, drew all the characters and like anything that they And plus the animating. So if there's like jump cuts between the actions of characters, that was this show. I thought that was a brilliant choice to be able to put the live action with the animation. And what's so interesting for such a uh, crazy story, it was very, very calm. It was incredibly calm throughout. The, just the little bits of the, the sound of the waves lapping, those little tiny sounds that would be in the background, and that really just serene music that was going along. And I was always wondering what the heck's gonna be happening next, what's gonna be happening next. What led you guys into actually investigating this story? Uh, we were um, looking for a project to do, and I was reading a book called Command and Control by Eric Schlosser, which is a hero of Reefer Madness and Fascination. And this book is a 600-page book about the mismanagement of America's nuclear stockpile and close calls and accidents and um, people that lean up against a panel and a plane and a bomb drops in North Carolina, just these crazy things. And sandwiched in the middle of this 600 page book was a little paragraph about the Lucky Dragon. And that, um, the, the lack of information led us to look for more information. So you suddenly became detectives. You had no idea that this was a story that you needed to uncover. Right. And so, and so like some very basic research led us to a museum in Japan where the boat lives and it's open to the public. Um, what? Kind of, why would they allow people to go uh, on a boat that has all those little ashes of radiation on it? It's, it's been since been decontaminated, um, and they actually have some of that ash in a little vial in the museum that you can look at. Um, yeah. How long did it take for you to, I mean, did you go out there to, to interview those folks? Yeah, we went, uh, Josh and I went once, and then I went with somebody else another time uh we went twice and then we were we went back this march to have the japanese premiere in tokyo how did they respond to that uh very enthusiastically that i think they're happy that american folks are taking an interest and in starting to that this story is being told because i never heard about this story before yeah we never heard about it i don't think any of us heard about it before we started doing the research. Was it shocking to actually meet these people in person to tell you this story that you originally had just seen a tiny little paragraph in a book about? Yeah, yeah, it was intense. I mean, we went to, we, we made a few phone calls at the museum, put this up with activists who are involved in the, you know, the continuing education of this and they were more than willing to help us out. And it was, it was a very easy process actually to, to make it happen. So they just open up the archives to you? They open up the microfiche and there you go? 
That's incredible. Yeah. Can you pass the microphone to this fellow? And what, what part did you, what, what, what was your involvement with this again? Uh, I designed all the animation in the 3D. Okay, so like the, 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 the ship floating in the ocean, and that was another cool thing too, is seeing the, so you, you have the live action aspects, and then you have the 2D, and then the camera's moving, and yet you see like this 3D computer stuff in yeah. there going too. How did you guys be able to combine that together? Have you worked together before on these kinds of things? Um, not with this technique, but we've done, uh, Josh and I had done some stop motion work together and uh, worked on some other projects as well. And um, it was something that I wanted to do for a long time. It was, it, it, the, con the concept for the 2D and 3D combo was something I'd been thinking about for a little while. And then Josh was like, I know this guy, Keith, and he's trying to make this movie, we're trying to do this thing, what do you think? And I was like, I this thing, what about 2D and 3D? And they were like, sure. And you never could have anticipated that your original inspiration to do that kind of thing would be utilized for such a, a mind-blowing film. Yeah, it was, because uh, one of the things we had talked about was like a Japanese, like old Japanese animation styles of, with uh, telling story with paper. And, and so that's where um, I wanted to try to make a more, not quite realistic environment, but just um, uh, a world, depth to a world, and then have a have a flat aspect to it. Well, it's incredible because, I mean, just the chopping up of the fish and and seeing their skin coming off like that was actually just. I mean, it was like, just knowing that it was just animation. Even it was still gross to see. <laughs> you know, you did a great job with that. No thanks. A lot of it was just drawing, and uh, and me just put, kind of putting that in, those drawings in the world. Yeah, I liked how the camera would move, and it's you still see the two D of the little guys, but then it, there was you see the three D of the uh, of the computer stuff. Yeah, it was really uh, important to me to have it kind of all live in the same place um, and be so like the lighting would affect the drawings in the same way that it affected the three D world and stuff. I think it is what kind of all brought it together. Now, how did you figure out that, that for the music, how did you, how did you decide that you wanted to have that kind of serene, just, just, I mean, it was like hypnotic, you could have fallen asleep, I mean, you know what I mean? It's like, that's kind of like lullaby kind of music. Yeah, I mean, my, my younger brother is a musician, and he did the whole score in his garage, um, and so I didn't really have any sort of input into that other than, <laughs> other than like, you know, Make you know why don't you make this a little bit more intense? Why don't you? I don't speak in the, the musical language, but um, he he did he did his musical work really really early on when we were doing like rough cuts, and it just stuck and it was really good. And by the time we were done with it, we couldn't think of any anything else to put there. It's completely unexpected. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and then the guy who's narrating on top of that music, mm. and then just just that little sounds, little splashes of the of the of the ocean. The little tiny bits of the little seagulls going and yeah. I mean it was, you guys did a great job with that sound design and your animation Excellent. and your direction sticking in the I mean that that was really cool to be able to want to put in some animation into the live action how did you decide to do that how did I mean was it something you discussed with these guys right in the beginning or how did that work yeah we I approached them with hey let's do like 10 minutes of stop motion which became you know well, let's stop motion the whole thing which became Let's draw the whole thing because you can't stop motion an entire film. Well, oh, that's my next question. How long did it take for you to draw all that, all the animation? Two a year and a half, two years. Yeah. All said, like with storyboards and everything. Yeah. So we did we did a couple passes where I would draw everything, send it to Josh, and he would draw everything. So we we had we had all these like animatics and pencil sketches of the movie, and we spent about a year or two years doing that before Josh even started drawing final images. The character design just in itself was awesome. And the guy's like like shaking in his bed and man, was, you guys did a really great job. Can you hand the microphone over to her please? I have a question for her. Have you done any voiceover work? Have you ever decided to do any uh, animation stuff? Or have you in the past? I met today is the origin story of Fingers Crossed. Maybe you'll, maybe you'll do an animation version of Mirko Soft, huh? Yeah, then they can really go out. Oh yeah, it'd be interesting to see how those guys affect all the other lives out there in the world. How many other yeah. people stumble upon them? Butterfly Microsoft effect. 
Yeah, and then and then to see how that technology is affecting those people in their lives after they buy it. Yeah, it's not going to be an uplifting film. Right. Who knows what what kind of interesting uh, technology is hiding in that, right? Yeah, fallout, major nuclear fallout. Yeah, that's true. Maybe maybe some of it is made with fallout. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you got a chance to see the actual ship. Yeah. And uh, okay, so at the end, you see like the older version of the guys, mm -hmm. and they're like. They're walking into the control room. Did is that a representation of something that actually truly happened? Where then now they were brought back to the ship, where they're like, "What?" You know, they're just ex their minds are exploded with the reality of seeing this thing after so many years. No, the the, the boat has been on display and decontaminated since the seventies, late seventies, early eighties, and they actually they use the museum as a teaching. Like, like as, a, as a teaching facility, so the fishermen will go to the museum with students and, oh. and talk about the history, and this is what happened, and this is why, you know, don't do this, and vote this way, and all of this stuff. So yeah. it's not like, um, it's, it's not in here, but we, we went to the museum with one of the fishermen, and he, he talked us through all of the, like, we would go to the bathroom here, and we would smoke our cigarettes here. And so when... Josh and I were talking about what would happen in each scene. We had that direct reference of where they were on the boat when they saw the bomb, like from the fisherman himself. So it was really easy at, like, after that research was done to just do what he said. Well, I think it's always great to be able to add that authenticity to something like that. Yeah. You know, you can only, you can only read about the information so far and try to apply it. Yeah. But when you're actually talking to the people who experienced that kind of thing, that's, that's a, it's, I mean, you guys must have felt chills talking to these people in person. It was pretty crazy, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, thank you guys for coming out. I really do appreciate that yeah. you guys uh, took time to submit your films to us and sure. even create art. I mean, that's just a big deal. Yeah. It takes yeah, a lot yeah. of bravery even just to follow the inspiration and then follow through with something like that. Yeah, thank you so much to the festival and everything, yeah. Oh, yeah absolutely. Thanks. And uh, so we're gonna have this over here in case you guys wanna take any photos over there too. Cool. All right, well, thank you guys. <laughs> You guys did a great job. Thank that you. It was, was really cool. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for having us. We uh, I, we just ended the uh, day of this Western Sunrise screening with Mirko Soft. Um, which you just heard the Q&A of. And I was walking down the street, and there was a, a guy. He didn't look homeless or anything. I mean, even if he did. Uh, but the guy was just all dressed up in black, like, like he was a, a, like a, like a waiter, like almost like he got off work from uh, the restaurant or something. And as I'm walking past... He's just, he's just laying there on the ground. And at first I walked past him. I was just going to leave him there. And then uh, I said, sir, 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 are you okay? And he had his head down on his arm. And I said, sir, are you okay? And he lifts his head up. He goes, yeah. I go, are you, did you fall down? Are you, are you, or, or are you just taking a nap? Just taking a nap. I go, okay, just, I just wanted to check. He goes, thank you, sir. And then he lays his head back down and then decides to just go ahead and sleep on the, on the sidewalk. I mean, that's so crazy. He just chose to just sleep on the sidewalk. It's astounding. I just saw the strangest thing. I was sitting here at the, at the uh, corner and uh, like this interest is, I've, I've never seen this kind of cop uh, vehicle before. Um, comes driving around the corner and it's got a, a camera. It has like, it had like a camera on the front attached to the hood pointed at the window, straight at the window, at the guys inside. And then up on top of it was a little tiny, like a little cage of sorts. And there was a cop up in there. 
And it looked like... It looked like if you sit inside a dune buggy or something. It looked like a roll cage. I don't know what he was doing up there. I don't know what the heck he was doing up there. But there were all these little tiny GoPro cameras, like, around it. And then, um... It turned a corner, and there were two or three other cops on motorcycles, and they had these yellow jackets on, or yellow uh, vests. I'm very curious about that. If any of you know what that is, please let me know. Pass the link around. This is really, really exciting. So you're one of the filmmakers too, sir? Oh, not for this. Oh, oh, oh. I thought you were talking about Oh, so it, anyone else here who did any of the movies that were up there? Oh my goodness, we're here. I'm gonna hand you your own microphone. How about that? Okay, so go ahead and introduce yourself and let the folks uh, know what you worked on. Uh, I am Emma Shah from Kuwait. Uh, I did the Machine Al-Katiara, the, the music video that I'm wearing clown, a clown hair. Yes. And walking on the plane and walking with the car and walking with the old lady. Machine Well, thank you, first of all, for submitting your film to us. And then second of all, for flying all the way out from Kuwait thank to you. be a part of this. So what, what I understand, you're actually working on a music video out here while you're out here, right? Yeah, on 28, uh, the filming in Fred Stair Studios in Pasadena. So, at, at Universal Studios? In, uh, in Fred Stair. Oh, Fred Astaire yeah. Studios. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Are you going to be doing some dancing in there in the Fred Astaire Studios? Yeah, I will dance. Yeah. How cool is that? Yeah. So how long did it take for you to make that, that insane music video? Uh, the walk beyond the old lady. Uh, it takes me one year and a half, something like that. One year and a half. Yeah. There's a whole lot going on in there. Yeah, it is. Now, uh, did you, did, how did your original concept, because, you know, we always have the original concept and then somehow it grows and it grows into something else. How, what kind of extra added things were in that music video that maybe were not in your brain before? Yeah, that's a good idea. I wasn't going to film it, actually. Um, I was just trying to do the music and then make it in an album. Then my friends and colleagues, they were asking me why you don't make it as a music video. Then everyone was imagining something like why you don't dance, why you don't fly, why you don't do... Like, and I trying to make story, uh, a line story for the music video. And then I was thinking about the production and the locations and the, uh, the, the fashion, the makeup, the crew, the studios, and all the marketing and all that. It's incredible that you just, you just trusted yeah. in the process. You just trusted that whatever ideas they gave to you, yeah. that you'd find some way to make it all work, huh? That's really cool. A lot of times people are so overwhelmed with over-critiquing, over-analyzation, that it just, it, it freezes them up. You know, they call that the paralysis of analysis. They're analyzing so much, they can't move. Right. So, do you feel that by listening to the other ideas, that it, it gave you so much more freedom to kind of do what you wanted to do? Uh, depends. Some of them, like the one that I'm wearing, Prokarnikov, and uh, take it off. Mm -hmm. That was uh, scaring some people. They were telling me, don't wear the burqa, oh. the Islamic uh, covering. Mm -hmm. Don't do it. Mm -hmm. uh, this would be scary. Oh. They may sue you or understand you wrong. I said, oh, well, this is funny. I like it. I want to add this part in the music video. And so you did it anyway. Yeah. Uh, and uh, there, there is a concept behind it. But um, if you want to know. Yes, please. It's um, when when I was trying to add that part of uh, the scenes, I was trying to think which part of Nikam? Is it for Bedouin people, Bedouin women, or modern women? Is it the one that Muslim women wearing it before Iraqis came over to Kuwait or after Iraqis, uh, after free liberation in Kuwait? Uh, which which kind of burqa I should wear? So I decided, uh, I did search and I talked with people on Facebook which burqa I should wear. Uh, then I found out there is kind of burqa that Bedouin and women uh, and modern Kuwaiti women after uh, 
Operation Kuwait after the Iraqis or Saddam Hussein. That kind of burqa we were wearing. I mean, the Kuwaiti woman. So that's interesting. There's a whole decision process in yeah. just doing that one particular decision that nobody even knows about. Right. It's yeah. incredible. And there's also tradition uh, Kuwaiti uh, dress and uh, things, accessories here we wearing, which is, it's uh, it's not anymore. We, wear, we are wearing this uh, now and in this time, the present time. Also, there is uh, many languages there. You know, it's interesting because this just shows us that what we see up on the screen, we, we have no idea what goes on behind the scenes. Right. In, unless we're filmmakers ourselves. Right. Anyone who's a filmmaker knows that there's a whole bunch of gears being turned. A whole lot of, you know, they talk about what's going on behind the curtain. You know, a lot of people don't know what's going on back there. And it's amazing that you're able to... Of course. Uh, this is the, the concept that the only filmmakers will understand it. But the normal people, I don't want them to understand what is behind. Oh. Yeah. Um, there is, uh, when I walk on the car, actually, I didn't take permission from the interior ministry to do that scene in the street. And because I, I didn't want to involve any Kuwaiti company because they will sue them uh, since I was If you stand on a car? Not stand in the car, I was wearing very short. It's not allowed to wear like this in, in the street, like that, you see? So interesting, something that might just seem so natural and just fun and playful is, is something that's just not allowed to, to, in other places. Yeah, that's, that's my goal, that to make it shows like, this is, uh, Americans inspired me that in the big market, big theaters, how the filmmakers showing in movies that uh, there is um, a part of America um, showing that there is um, uh, freedom, okay, from long time till now. Mm. And we worry now that there is Americans who are suffering for their freedom. Um, and I learned that part to make a change of the society. So do you feel that the, the pieces that you put in your movie, uh, into, your, um, into your music video, e each of them seem to have a significance? What do you mean significant? Uh, something that is important to pay attention to. Yeah, there, there, is, like, there is a line of, uh, of uh, um, 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 how to say that, there is a, a line of ideas and uh, that is from zero to the th 1000 um, meaning of meaning of something every frame every uh, every word every uh, thing i put every frame there is a meaning but the concept that i don't want the normal people to understand it i want the the story going inside them, and unconscious and subconscious. Ah, right. Yes. Subconscious. Yeah. Oh, there is a, a hidden, a hidden message in that. I love it. Yeah. I love it when filmmakers leave little tiny Easter eggs in there. Yeah. Thank you. Because maybe it will lead others to investigate that and wonder more about it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure those who know about the things that you've just been talking about could definitely see those messages and go, oh, I relate to that, I associate with that, I understand what that is. Yeah, I agree with you, yeah. You were telling me earlier about those goats. Can you please tell everyone about those goats? Uh, these goats, uh, it was by accident, uh, the location, uh, when I booked that location to film the music video, um, they, they have uh, a zoo in the backyard. So I told them, oh, these goats are, uh, they are cute, can, can, can you let them to join us in mm -hmm. the music video? They said, yeah, of course. And so all they goes, man, man, they came to, to, to the location with us. And all the time they were running, everywhere. Like a little orchestra of goats. <laughs> and there is a part that accidentally I was singing, and they are coming, and we faced each other. Then we stopped, and then we went like that. It's just. Looks like we we traded. So you were all connected. <laughs> yeah. like they were like synchronized swimmers out there. I surprised when I was seeing the footage, and I see that part. I, I liked it. That's incredible. Yeah. Uh, do, do any of you have any questions about any well uh, about her music video? Yes. Uh, did you do your own visual effects?
Was you on the airplane and stuff? Yeah, on the airplane and the big um, scene. Yeah. Like the dancing part where all the, all the it looks kind of like a disco, right? Yeah, yeah, also the, that one, right. Yeah, and the witch, and the witch scene, yeah. Uh, they all did that um, uh, scenes. But I told them what I want. I was sitting with them in every, with every details, every part. Put this here, but no, I don't want this color, no. I, yes, they were like very good people. They are Egyptians, the guys. So are you going to do, so, okay, so in addition to the music video that you're shooting out here, you must have lots of ideas for other ones too, huh? Imagine this also. It's also by accident. Uh, I was in uh, practicing in the Fritz Stair Studios in Pasadena for um, joining and competing in Embassy Ballroom Championship. And I seen my teacher with his girlfriend dancing uh, doing Fritz Stair parts. So I said, wow, this is beautiful. Um, hey, can you dance with me in my music video? It was just like that. Um, and he said, but I am in union. I, I didn't understand what does that mean, union. You have company. Marriage? Or no, what? Oh, in the union? Yeah, well, or like Screen Actors Guild or? Something like Oh, I see. So I told him I, I don't want to involve with government because I don't know what this means. Mm. Uh, then uh, we did a meeting in the, the Fred Stair studio and we we chose another great dancer. He was in Dancing with the Stars and he doesn't want to kiss me in the music video. I wanted to do a kissing. He said, no, my girlfriend, a friend, she doesn't want that. And then he wanted more money, so that was out of my budget. And then we choose another one, another dancer. So we are practicing now, and we are gonna film. Oh, Fred Astaire Studios are a sponsor of the filming. Oh, good. Yeah. yeah. It's amazing how stuff comes about. You have no idea, right? You have a certain idea in your brain, yeah, and I think you have to be willing to to kind of improvise with it, and allow allow these new things to come in and try to make something good with it. Yeah, imagine the, 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 uh, the story is how to make the story was easy for me because the album I made, it's called In Love. I did that album because I loved American soldier in Kuwait and he doesn't love me. So I did that album because of him. Uh, I was depressed and then I wrote a feature film about me and him and then um, doing this music video about me and him. So the story about me dancing with him, how how much I had, and I spent good time with him, but at the same time there is a complicated moments between us. Mm. Maybe uh, a cultural side that because I'm Arab, he's scared for me a little bit, mm. uh, which I faced that before with American soldiers. Um, so it was easy to find idea. For me, it was easy. And um, uh, and the music of, uh, that I have from that album is fit with the, with, with the idea. And then I wanted to make it cinema, cinema, um, cinematic. Mm -hmm. So I tried to find a um, cameraman that can do exactly what I need. And I had a hard time with finding because I don't know the people in the industry here. Oh. Yeah. How did you find your crew out here? Did they fly out with you? Or how did you find the people out here to shoot your new music video? Yeah, I did search online to find cameraman oh. in LA. So this is there's a good website to find uh, guys. And he since he's good, very like easy. And I told him I don't want um, complicated contract. Mm. This is one of the parts that it's hard for me. And I told him what I need in the contract, very easy and simple, since um, I don't know the terms and the law in the United States. So make it easy to just give me full copyrights, that's it. And uh, um, uh, Christina, she will assist, assist me in the music video. I love it. Yeah. And um, um, 
there is friends, they will come assist, assist me. Uh, because all the people I know in Kuwait, I will, I can bring 1,000 people to mm. to do the music video for me. But here, I, I'm not sure. Uh, I'm like, who is this guy? Who is this people? Right. Can uh, do they love? Uh, because I asked uh, the manager in the Fred Astaire studio. I want the dancer to love to work with me. Mm -hmm. If he doesn't love it, I don't want just to make just person just take money and go. No, I want to love it and feel the moment, feel the music, and like to do a film with me. Oh, I think that's beautiful. Yeah. Well, listen, I we we have to wrap it up because the new the next block is coming out. But thank you so much for thank entering you. your project. Thanks so much for coming all the way out here and for telling your story. I just love that you've been around and you've been meeting people and it's just been great. I love your festival and I love the films and the filmmakers here. The event is great really every day. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Inspirato Projector Radio, this is Man. What kind of smart technology do you own or have you used? Maybe you used a family or a friend's smart technology while you were visiting them. What smart things do you know? Man Behind the Machine. That little giblet you heard there is from Man Behind the Machine, one of our fellow anchor podcasters. Please go listen to his stuff. He, he's got just chock-fulls of AI information, lots of interesting field recordings, synthesizers. I mean, man, all kinds of fringe stuff. If you like the fringe, he is hanging out on the fringe. That's, that's where he gets his information, and man alive is it good. So talk about smart stuff. You know, I saw an article semi-recently about how some of these cities are so set up with smart technology. Uh, from the stoplights to the scooters uh, to the Alexa to, I mean, things are getting, quote, smarter and smarter. Um... Is it smart, though, to give our information out to all of these companies? Is it smart of us to do that for the sake of convenience? I think about that quite a bit. Right now, I have three different emails open on my computer right now they're just they're just right there you know they're tracking my every movement i realize i've got my own email i got the inspirato projecto email i've got the kapow email i was doing that a lot especially during uh, trying to organize all this stuff with kapow so i've got those tabs open so i can just easily access that stuff at any time just bounce and bounce and bounce and back and forth so these scooters are they call them smart scooters and also Metro now has bicycles out there that are smart oriented and you swipe your card in there and I think it's dollar seventy five or a half an hour or something like that. And you swipe your uh you know, it's an app. It's an app and then they'll want to send you notifications or to access all your contacts. So if you if you allow them to access your contacts, now they have all of your friends and family's phone numbers. And then your friends and family are wondering, why am I getting these text messages from these different commercials, uh, commercial companies? What is up, dude? Hey, how you doing? Good, thank you. I dig the lights out there. Thanks, dude. They've fallen down so many times. I'm moving them down. Yeah. It's like an art installation or something. Yeah, it is an art installation. Yeah, it's great. Looks intentional. Uh, that's Nicholas across the hallway. We'll be we'll be utilizing his uh, improv group's talents uh, in the near future. So, <clears throat> you 
you know, family wonder, your family wonders, why am I getting these advertisements? Why am I getting these, you know, reminders about these things? Well, maybe they don't realize that it was because you allowed the smart technology to access your contacts. And now that's why, that's why they're getting, you know, people are getting a hold of them. So, um, having said that, I have an Alexa and I've asked the Alexa uh, a few things before about a certain agency and if it watches me if it's listening and if Amazon sends our information to that agency and it would just shut off it wouldn't answer the question so that's interesting at this point in our life, we wonder how many people have our information? Who has our information? What are they doing with that information? How anonymous can we totally be in this world at this moment in time? It's quite interesting. You get a computer and then it tells you to go through this whole process. Emails, all oh, this whole crazy process. Just to, just to use your computer. So... Yeah, Alexa. I think I've used I've used I've used the Alexa on a number of occasions. I unplugged it. However, uh, I might get back to it. There are some fun things on there. You can ask him Twin Peaks facts. You can ask him in, ask Alexa certain interesting questions. But it saves everything you ask Alexa. It saves it all. So then it knows. Um maybe what to advertise to you, knows what your likes are, and then you start wondering, why is my computer suddenly coming up with these ads for these particular things? Why? There's a whole, there's a whole bunch of stuff going on behind the curtain. And I've heard my buddy call me cynical, and that's the funny thing. It's like, I don't like cynicism. I don't like it. And yet what's so interesting, at the same time, I've dialed in to seeing what's really going on behind the curtains. Wow, there's a hummingbird right there. There's a hummingbird right there. I've, di- you know, I've dialed into what's going on behind the curtains. I see what's going on in those billboards. I see what's going on. I see what's happening in the news. I see what's happening. I don't have to watch the news to know what's happening in the news. Many of you who listen to this podcast know that that's just not my cup of tea. Now, am I requiring you to listen to my brand of news? These are all just my opinions. Maybe some of them reflect some of yours. Then what do we do about that? Do we just not give certain things attention? That's one way of doing it. Just don't give it attention. Giving something attention is like feeding it, feeding it food. So if you don't feed it food, there'll be others out there to feed it. However, you know that You know, there's a give and take thing with feeding. There's a give and take, literally a give and take thing going on. You have to be there and present with a certain intention. Attention. You give it your attention. That's your intention. Its intention is for you to give it your attention. And your intention is to be attentive. (laughs) <laughs> our, not you, our Hems to all of us Our you, you can't unsee certain documents when you read them You can't unsee um, or, or shake loose information that you know of Once you know it And then you start seeing that, you know Happening, happening, happening. So, having said that, <laughs> oh, smart. Is smart technology smart? Is it? Is it smart? Only time will tell. But thank you so much, man behind the machine. Thank you so much. And you know what I gotta say? 
maybe what I just said is I'm realizing as I'm listening back in reflection, as I'm thinking to myself what I just said, gosh, why are you making things sound so dreary? So, you know what? Ultimately, folks, it comes down to you creating your own reality. What kind of reality do you want? What kind of reality are you going to perpetuate? Quantum mechanics. Look into quantum mechanics. We are creating all kinds of astounding little... uh, We're opening up doors moment to moment. Moment to moment. Brand new universes. Bam, 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 bam. Over here, over there. Here and everywhere, all at once at the same time. So ultimately, what makes you happy? What makes you excited? What makes you joyful? Concentrate on those things. Bring those things about. That's truly the smart thing. If you want to contribute to this podcast, even the radio show, please email inspiratoprojecto at gmail.com. You can also call in 561 203 9179er. Call us up and we'll put it into the show. Thank you so much for listening to Inspirato Projecto. Keep your ears peeled for more insightful information.